From COK Studios in Renee Montaigne's Motorhome, this is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. On today's show, we'll consider how the Supreme Court is functioning with only eight members. We'll also consider an antibiotic-resistant germ in our Consider Your Health series. And we'll consider how to train your dragon. Stay with us. Support for Consider Our Knowledge comes from the Uncle Dave Foundation, helping toddlers get their noses back from their Uncle Daves. Visit gotyournose.org for more information. And PBN, now showing Downton Abbey Beyond Thunderdome, a post-apocalyptic upstairs-downstairs drama starring Hugh Bonneville as Lord One-Eye Grantham and Maggie Smith as the Dowager Mutant. Check local listings for showtimes. This is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. Since the death of Justice Antonin Scalia, the Supreme Court has been forced to make rulings with only eight members. With the Senate refusing to hold hearings on Merrick Garland, President Obama's nominee, the court will have to function with eight members for the foreseeable future. The court seems to have split into three camps, with the four justices at its ideological center working diligently to deliver unified opinions. The remaining members of the court seem less committed to that project. Chief Justice John Roberts and Justices Anthony Kennedy, Alana Kagan, and Stephen Breyer are struggling to build consensus as the other four justices represent two opposing positions. Here to help us understand what is happening with the Supreme Court, our senior correspondent, Cordell Nutbrock, and jurisprudence expert and author of the book, Supreme Doesn't Always Mean with Sour Cream, Nelson Overby. Glad to have you with us. Happy to be here. Nice to be with you. So, Cordell, what has the eight-member court been up to? Well, Dinah, the court has sent several cases back to the lower courts because of 4-4 ties. And while they have been able to make some unanimous or near-unanimous decisions, the absence of a ninth justice is having an effect. The court is now effectively split into three camps instead of two, correct? Yes. Justices Roberts, Kagan, Breyer, and Kennedy are in the middle, with Beda Ginsburg and Sotomayor on the left, and Alito and Thomas on the right. The two more liberal justices have written four dissents recently, while the conservatives, Alito and Thomas, have written eight. It's definitely a difficult time for the court. Nelson, in what ways has missing a justice impacted the court other than how they break down ideologically? Behind closed doors, it's even more chaotic. Chief Justice Roberts has said that he's been working really hard to keep the group together. And even though they're talking more, there's a ton of turmoil. What kind of turmoil? Where do I begin? There's only eight of them, and they can't decide anything easily anymore. Like what? What to get for lunch? What movies to watch? When to take bathroom breaks? Well, I heard that there was a very ugly altercation last week. Yeah. The justices were deadlocked on what pizza toppings to get. Roberts, Alito, Thomas, and Breyer wanted a meat lovers, while Kagan, Bader Ginsburg, Kennedy, and Sotomayor were feeling like veggies. After an hour of oral arguments, neither faction was willing to give in. Oh, what happened? Roberts tried to break the deadlock by suggesting just pepperoni, but Alito wrote a fiery dissent about how pepperonis give him heartburn. Then he tried again to build consensus by suggesting something different, like Hawaiian pizza, but Bader Ginsburg objected because those toppings aren't kosher. Well, then what? Kennedy then brought up the idea of doing a half-and-half situation, but Clarence Thomas dissented on the grounds that he always gets the piece that has some of the toppings from the two different pizzas on it, and it's gross. 
This went on for hours until Kagan went ahead and ate some crackers she had in her purse and drew the ire of the other seven justices. Sounds messy. How would this have gone before Scalia's death? They would have voted 5-4 in favor of meat lovers, and Bader Ginsburg would have gotten a salad. It's ironic that all those 5-4 decisions for meat lovers' pizza might have contributed to Scalia's heart attack and created the current problems on the court. It's very sad. Quite! Yes, some people like Dick Van Patten would have you believe that eight is enough, but in this case, it isn't. Well said, Cordell. We appreciate your time today. That was author Nelson Overby and COK's own Cordell Nutbrock. You're listening to Consider Our Knowledge. A germ that can't be treated with an antibiotic that is often used as the last resort has shown up for the first time in the United States. Government scientists say the case is cause for serious concern, but doesn't pose any immediate public health threat. Here to discuss this news is Consider Your Health reporter Alex Truman. Hi, Alex. Greetings, Scotter. So how are you handling this news about the antibiotic-resistant germ? Not well, Cotter. I'm sorry, you smell nice, though. That's probably just my ear medicine, but thank you. No, it took every ounce of willpower to come into the studio today. My heart rate and blood pressure are nowhere near normal, and I'm having difficulty swallowing. Well, that kind of sounds like you're having a panic attack. Indeed I am, but I have them so often anymore with the state of health in the world today that I can work through them with almost no impact on my life. Well, that's good, I guess. It is. I could pretty much sleep through my panic attacks now because I'm so used to them. I actually had three pretty bad ones last night and still got a very restful nine hours. Good for you. When you have as many ailments as I do, you have to learn to live with them. So what about this germ? Well, the germ was discovered in a 49-year-old woman in Pennsylvania with a urinary tract infection. The infection was caused by E. coli bacteria that had a gene that made them resistant to an antibiotic known as colistin. Colistin is a medicine that dates back to the 1950s and is currently used on infections that have become resistant to every other antibiotic. So it's a last-ditch kind of medicine? Yes, and colistin had no effect on this woman's infection. It's like finding out that you can't get over a bad bout of diarrhea even if you take Pepto, Imodium, or even the special extra-strength Canadian Imodium. No, there's a special brand of Canadian Imodium? It's amazing. It's all I take anymore. It stops you up like a cork that's been super glued into position. It was developed for the bounties because there's nothing worse than getting the runs on the back of a horse in the middle of the Yukon. Sounds effective. It is, until some kind of superbug comes along and renders it useless. It's terrifying to think about the prospect of custard diarrhea. I mean, I already have constant panic attacks and chronic fingernail sensitivity. We're running out of our best ways to eradicate the problem germs. Well, I can see how that's a scary prospect. Now that this resistance gene has showed up in the U.S., it could spread to other germs, creating infections that doctors will have no way to treat, which has already happened in other parts of the world, including China. Now, wasn't the woman in question given a different antibiotic that did clear up her infection? Yes, but it's only a matter of time before that antibiotic is totally worthless, too. Germs are adapting, and we're struggling to keep up. This case was just for a UTI, but next it might be an ear infection, one of the really hurdy ones where you need to put a hot pad on your ear, or something far, far worse. I get it. 
It's one of my worst nightmares come true. One of? Oh, yes. We don't have nearly enough time to go through the ball in this show. Maybe if you gave me a full hour special. Maybe. So what can people do in the wake of this news? That's just it. There's nothing to be done. We might as well just start giving out placebos for all the good antibiotics will do. I've been taking several placebos just to see if they do anything. And you know what? What? They're just as good as antibiotics. No way, really? Well, they are now. Touche. Thanks for the report, Alex. You're welcome. Good luck avoiding infection, Cotter. It won't be easy. I'll try. That was Consider Your Health with Alex Truman. That's all for this week's episode of Consider Our Knowledge. If you'd like more from the best-looking news team in public radio, go to our website, considerournowledge.com, for more news and stories. You can also follow us for breaking news on Twitter, at ConsiderOurKnow, and you can like us on Facebook. If you'd like to download the podcast, go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio at Stitcher.com. Please leave us a review so we know how we're doing. If you'd like to donate to Consider Our Knowledge, go to our homepage and click the Support COK button. There you can make a secure $5 monthly donation via Patreon. It's like Kickstarter, but for ongoing projects like podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Connor Bentley. It hurts when I pee. Um... (laughs)